What's going on, everybody? It's time for the exchange. Welcome back. I am your host, Logan. Of course, uh, before we get to the guest today, a few programming notes. I tell you this every single time, y'all. Go follow me on Instagram. That's the best way to keep up and date or up to date with what's going on with the pod. Uh, you can follow me personally if you'd like at Logan Lewis 96. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Don't follow my Twitter. I'm not great. I'm, I'm, I'm overly trying too hard to be good at Twitter, but it's uh, it's I'm getting I'm getting a few likes here and there. It's things are things are kind of popping. Um, but uh, other than that, another really good way to keep up to date with the pod is just to subscribe or follow along on Spotify, subscribe on Apple. Uh, that's the best way you can guarantee that you won't miss out on an episode every Friday. So uh, the guest I'm exchanging with uh, today is actually the first recurring guest on this show. We last spoke with her when we talked uh, with the Millennial Girls podcast back on episode 29 with her co-host Natasha. But today she's back alone. Please welcome Raquel. Thank you for having me back. I didn't know that was I was the first one recurring. You're the first reoccurring guest. Wow. I'm honored. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, I I had this this thought in my head uh, like a week or so ago and I said like I've gotten the chance to talk to some pretty cool people um and they all either were like had something either either coming up or they were like working on something and I thought like it'd be cool to go back and talk to you know, a few people here and there, maybe have them come on every 20 episodes or so, just kind of a, like a little what's going on, how things have been type situation. So here we are. You're the first. Yeah, I, I love that, though, too. I think we're going to check back in with some people, too, as well as on my podcast, because I feel you on that. It's like when you talk to someone, everyone's always has so many things that are coming up in the works and you're like, OK, it's been like four or five, six months. How? Or even a year, like what's going yeah. on? What are you doing now? Because honestly, a month can change a person's life. So yeah, it's good. It's good to be back on here. Yeah, it's good to have you back. So um, we've, uh, ever since the Millennial Girls uh, episode came out, um, I think we've just stayed in touch on social media. Mm -hmm. And um, I've followed you along. And I think I messaged you a couple of months ago or something. And I said, man, you are so funny on Twitter. Like, <laughs> thank you. And I was like, I got to get what? you back. Twitter is just one of those things that I'm my honest self because how my brain works and you know this from texting is like, I don't, I'm not the person who texts in like a, a, a novel or like in a million paragraphs in one text. I send thought bubbles like one at a, one at a time as they come and poor Natasha, she must like. She, I mean, she knows obviously by now we've been working together for a year, but she knows that I'm either going to just send a million one line sentences or I'm going to just call her because it's, it's just too much. But yeah, no, I love Twitter. I've been on Twitter for like 10 years now. It's so crazy. And I don't know. I just, I get to bring my sassy self on Twitter, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, it says I've only, I joined Twitter in November of 2015. I feel like I've been on it so much longer than that though. Oh, probably, you know, I mean, looking up tweets and stuff. Oh God, I, I don't I, I really want to go back and like I wish you could sort your tweets on your account so you could like see what you tweeted like five years ago. There's a way to do it. I went back, um I never tweeted anything bad, but I just wanted to delete some stuff that was like from high school that I was like, okay, no one cares. What are you saying? You were 18, 17. Um, you have to do it if you Google it, there's a certain way you put like your name 
and then something something and it's kind of like a formula and it pulls up old tweets that'd be awesome i I definitely i definitely want to make sure i didn't say anything bad uh but also yeah get rid of the stuff like look at me retweeting like taylor swift thinking like i was hurt when my girlfriend broke up with me like (laughs) Like no one cares. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, it was just, I was like, okay, like, cool, Raquel. No, you were 17. Yeah. Like we're deleting this tweet. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're deleting these. Um, so uh, I wanted to get to know you better have, by having you alone back. Um, and so I wanted to know, like, at w- from what age, like, so let's, let's revisit high school, Raquel. Was there mm-hmm. any point part of you in high school that wanted to go into broadcasting into being, a, you know, a content creator, I guess? Like, what, where did that kind of spark from? Yeah, I mean, I knew I wanted to be in music, entertainment, media since probably I was in, like, elementary school, honestly. I grew up watching TRL, and I was always so invested in the vjs if you guys are too young and don't know what trl is go look it up because it's a staple and you need to know um but yeah i i just always was so like loved the fact that the vj was the connection between the artist and the fan and i grew up competitive competitively dancing and and acting and on stage and stuff so i knew i was gonna get into media and hosting eventually i just didn't know how early it was gonna be like i thought i was gonna go live my best life be a professional backup dancer for x amount of years and then i would get into hosting and stuff because it was just gonna be like the natural transition but that is not what happened um i ended up going to school for journalism i went to college and you know really just got into it basically as soon as i went to college for it i interned at the iHeart down here and I started my own YouTube channel back in college. This was like my old YouTube channel and I was interviewing artists. I, I mean, my first interview I ever got was Chris Allen who won American Idol. And oh, wow. it was, by, yeah, it was by luck. I like literally kind of just made a really good pitch email with my best friend Courtney. And it was kind of like, Oh, I've interned at iHeart and done all this stuff. And they were like, okay, do you want to interview Chris in Orlando in like three days? And I was like, what? I like didn't have a YouTube channel. I didn't have a name. I didn't have a camera. So I was like, well, we are going to do that now. And uh, yeah, since then it was, that's how it started. Like, it's crazy. Wow. Shouts to Chris Allen. I haven't heard that He's name in forever, but I immediately know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. He beat Adam Lambert. It was like a huge deal when it happened. So oh my God, I, remember I, that. I loved Chris. I, I wanted Chris to win. I voted for Chris, you know, back in the day when you actually voted for your, your oh, yeah. idols. And you texted um, 366 to yeah, whatever, to whatever number. Yeah. Um, and I actually, when I was competing in high school, like I had a tap solo to one of its covers, his cover of heartless. So it was just such an interesting, like full circle moment because I was interviewing Chris Allen, my first interview ever. And I, looking back now, I was like, oh God, it was so horrible. But you know, I was what, 19, 20. Like I don't even think I had even learned how to interview yet in college. So, but yeah, that's how it started. Yeah. You just reminded me, you just sparked a, a memory that I forgot that I had. Chris Allen's cover of heartless was so good at the time. Oh, it's still one of my favorite covers of all time. Because I remember also, if you are too young and don't know that, go look it up on YouTube. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you're not too young to know what Heartless is. I, I'm pretty sure I remember when he came out and was like, yeah, I'm going to do Heartless by Kanye West. Yes. Everyone was like, and everyone oh. was like, what? And it was literally everyone's jaw was on the floor. And that moment is literally why he won American Idol. Like moving after that, that was why he won for sure. 
I I'll, I'll be honest. I, I think I at the time voted for Adam Lambert because and I loved Chris. It's always so hard to pick between two at the end of American Idol because yeah, they're both they're so, so good. Talented. Yeah. And they're both two complete different artists too. like oh, yeah. Adam Lambert. Like now he tours with Queen and he sings right. for Queen like and that just makes so much sense because like back in the day, everyone oh, yeah. was like, wow, you have the vocal power of like Freddie Mercury. And he was just like, oh, yeah. But like now he's, like, he's sure. actually doing it. Yeah. I mean, he's been on Broadway. He's so talented. He is. His pipes are, are there. That's for sure. Isn't it a shame, though, like kind of going on an American Idol tangent, but I'm not mad about it. Were you super into American Idol? Did you watch it like every season? Yeah, I was up to a certain point. I mean, obviously, that and So You Think You Can Dance were like the two, obviously, because dance. But uh, yeah. to a certain point, I watched it like every single week it was a family affair type of thing and then i feel like whatever season i got to once it got to like once paula and simon left yep. that's when i was like all right i'm done here like they started like rotating in and out hosts and stuff yeah, I was like, and uh, I was like uh, yeah it's one of those things it's like okay it's time to <laughs> and i'm i'm honestly glad like i like the new version with lionel and luke bryan and katie perry because yeah. they are such geniuses music genius musicians themselves so i feel like that was a really good call and i like that they took like a year or whatever off because it kind of revamped like sometimes it's like it's the end it should be the end i feel like that is the biggest problem here with tv shows in the u.s is like we think we need 52 seasons of every show because people like it like no after three or one or two it's fine just move on develop a new show Mm -hmm. and you know you never know what can happen it's why it's like shows like like breaking bad not sure if you've seen it but like they yeah, did, I haven't, they yeah. did five seasons and like everyone was like we got to see more we got to see more and they're like no we're halting it at five seasons because that's what the story like right. deserves and i love that because it's like just because one season's a huge hit doesn't mean two three four five six seven eight nine ten through 27 is going to be a big hit. like it i I watched Pretty Little Liars uh, <laughs> religiously for whatever amount of years it was on. And by the time it got to the last season, I was like, why am I even watching this? Like, this yeah. should have been over in three seasons. Like, think of it's, a new idea. Come on. I, I've never seen the show, so I so I don't want people to come at me for, for hating on it. But like, Grey's Anatomy, perfect example of this. Like, it's been on for like 25 seasons at this point. Very close to yeah. it. Maybe 19, 20 seasons. Uh, yeah, no, it might be honestly super close. And the thing is, too, I was just talking about this on another podcast, too, because I'm obviously we're going to get there, but super into K-pop and K-dramas. Yeah. So the thing with K-dramas is everything is always one season. That's it. That's it. Like, they're like, they want the actors and actresses over there to work on new projects and like not be stuck and tied down to one series for the rest of their career, which I feel like here everyone's like, Oh, you need to get on a good series because then you're set. Like, don't you want to develop your craft more and not be content? Yeah. Like I'd rather be on like four really solid one or two season shows rather than mm -hmm. like, rather than like, unfortunately, like a lot of the cast from like friends, like when's the last time you saw David Schwimmer in something like, yeah. No, or the last hard. time you see Courtney Cox. I mean, really, a lot of those guys peaked at that at that point in their career. And the, with the exception of Jennifer Aniston, oh, you know, yeah. she kind of came out on top. Yeah, but think about all the work she's done after, you know, and she did movies and movies is one and done for the most part. So I think we're just so stuck in our ways. And I'm like, guys, like 
And the thing is too now, it's like everything coming back is a remake. And I'm like, we really have no original ideas like at all. Really? And, like it hasn't even been that long. Come on. And it's like as a as a as a diehard movie fan, like as much as it pains me to see it, say it, it's like unfortunately, like the remakes, the sequels for movies, like the Space Jam movie, it's been like 20 years since the first one. And they're like, Well, time to dust off this old folder, you know? Like you're like, and, why? It's like, why? Like, yeah, I, I doubt Michael Jordan wants another Space Jam movie. <laughs> but and and yeah, but yeah, like to your point, like they're either making movies off of shows or movies off of books or movies off of video games. There's nothing original under the sun anymore. Yeah. And I, I mean, the book thing is different because obviously you're I don't know I mean I feel like it's different if it's a book to a movie but even then sometimes you're like why does this is not how the book then it goes into the this isn't how the book went and da 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 and then people are mad about that and I'm like can we just like I don't know think think about some you drink those creative juices go on a I don't know a vacation and like it's how how the writers do writing camps for music like I feel like that's what needs to happen for movies and tv shows do you Go think, and put them on an island or something for like two weeks and make them pump out content and see what sticks. Yes, please. Do you think, do you ever picture yourself writing a book? Maybe about my life, eventually, yeah. because it's wild. So like, but I don't see myself writing like a book book yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. I, I, the no, I've, never, the I've actually never been asked that question. I've never thought about it, but I feel like it would just be about my life and not anything else type yeah of i don't know what i would possibly say that people would care about buying a book that that i have something to say about besides my life yeah yeah i feel like you have to be a certain kind of creative and my brain just doesn't work like that like even going to school for journalism i hate i horrible but i do not like writing um and even in journalism school whenever we had to write stuff i was like oh why and i'm not i'm not bad at it but it just it doesn't come to me naturally writing and even in high school, like I could not write. And then when I got to college, I had a really great English teacher um, and she kind of helped that. And then once you get into J school, you have to learn how to write for, you know, newspaper and stuff like that. So you learn completely different. And I had great professors. So once that happened, I was like, oh, this kind of makes sense now. Okay, I get it. Um, but yeah, I'd rather talk to the person on video or anything like that than like write. That's awful, but it's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Do you... So I want to ask you, so with everybody having one of these in their hands nowadays, mm -hmm. everybody, you know, especially over the pandemic, you see like more like bloggers or influencers or whatever popping up. Do you think it's almost do you think the market is like not the market? I don't know. The, the world is like almost oversaturated with with people that are like trying to make something like out of their life, like content related. Like, I guess the ultimate question is like, do you think the content game like is for everyone? Can anybody do it? Or does it take us a, a certain kind of mindset and creative to do it? I think it's yeah, It's yes to both. I think anyone can do it because like you said, we have our phone at the palm of our hands and listen, there's a niche for everyone, right? Like I'm super niche for all my personal stuff with K-pop and it is a really cool place to be. I'm connecting with people on the other side of the world and getting to interview huge artists that are so incredibly famous. It's like, you can't even fathom the fame over there, but I don't think it's for everyone. And I think the biggest misconception is like, I have a phone, I can do it. 
Like, do you know how many hours I sit in front of my computer and I edit? Do you know I have to wake up at 3.30 in the morning on Tuesday to interview a group in Korea because it's a 13-hour time difference? Like, there's so many just... But I think that's with anything because all people are seeing are the, the good stuff, right? Like, except for the people, the vloggers who are very honest. Like, I love Sarah's day. Uh, Natasha actually got me interested in her and she just posted a, a vlog of her like from last weekend having a mental breakdown and she was sobbing and I was like wow that is honesty but she's also been doing this for like nine years and she owes it to her followers to be honest so and I think that is the biggest thing as well it's like yes if you want to do this go for it you have a phone learn how to edit you know learn how to make something out of something but it's definitely not for everyone and it takes a lot of time and a lot of people give up i mean it's just like podcasting right we've had this conversation like how many people are like i'm going to start a podcast and then they get the equipment they do one they have to edit they have to post like we talk about this all the time how much work it is and then they're like oh i can't do this it's too much time and i'm like okay well bye yeah, <laughs> yeah nothing's easy and, and you probably get the people in your life like i definitely have these people that come to me every once in a while and like oh the podcast thing you're still doing that right like are you making money from that oh, like, yeah. how much time mm -hmm. do you spend on that and you're just like shut up like it, it's a lot like, of it's work yeah it's it's a yeah. it's a job yeah i mean having a podcast and a youtube channel and also every other form of social media i can like say is like it's crazy i mean you get exhausted and then you're dealing with the scheduling and the editing and your computer dies or freezes or shuts down and you edited the whole video and you just want to cry and you're like, what am I doing this for? And then, but then you have, I mean, I'll have those moments and then I'll have people that are, it's weird. I'm starting to have people that are like, you're my favorite YouTuber. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, this is weird. Or like the people that are like, I love your content. It makes my day. It makes me so happy. And I'm like, okay, that's why I do this. Cause it makes me happy and it's making other people happy. And that's what I, you know, want to share with the world yeah absolutely you'll have like moments like a couple weeks ago it was my birthday like about a, almost a month ago at this point and like somebody texted me happy birthday that i haven't talked to since like college and he was like i really enjoyed this such and such podcast and i was like what like you're like you listen you listen Weird. and and he yeah, was like yeah no, i listen crazy. to my drive every friday morning or whatever and i was like wow like it it's yeah. moments like that that make me think it's like it's like quality assurance. Like, okay, people are actually like hearing it. People like, yeah, you know, people that right. I don't even talk to anymore, like are, are listening. Like, well, and I have a really big problem with like, this is not normal for people. Like, I don't realize that if that makes sense, because I've been in media and music and doing all this really cool stuff. I'm so lucky to have been able to do everything I've wanted to do in my career so far, pretty much. And to the average person, it looks like you're living this huge glamorous life. You know what I mean? So I always have to take a step back and be like, oh, this isn't normal for someone who does sales or this isn't normal for someone who's an accountant. Like they're just see seeing these really cool things. And for me, it's normal. I'm like, no, this is my Tuesday. Like I'm gonna go interview whatever the biggest group, whatever that I'm gonna interview. And then I'm like, oh, okay, right. That's normal for me. Like it's not normal for many people. Yeah. So we've we've referenced podcasting a little bit, and I know we talked about it when you know back when I interviewed you and Natasha. But give the people a little bit of of insight. Like, what are tell me about the early days of Millennial Girls? How did it start? Why did it start? All of that. Yeah, it started because we lost our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were both on air. We were radio personalities in Miami uh, at the radio station. It's the only EDM station in South Florida, which was really cool because we were in a top 10 market and EDM women in EDM, women in EDM especially is like non-existent. So it's really cool to be in that space. 
Um, and, you know, like many media, radio personalities due to the pandemic, we lost our jobs. Um, and then we kind of had to pivot, right? Like everyone else, but we had been talking about doing a podcast for forever. And at first we were all, there was four of us on air at the station. We were like going to do it together. We even shot like four episodes and then it just never went up and it just wasn't kind of, I don't know, you, you shoot things sometimes and they don't go up and it doesn't work out. So we kind of were like, okay, well, how can we transition to what we are doing at the station to being our own thing? And that's kind of how Millennial Girls was born. We had the name already. Like we already had this concept for the podcast. And then it was like on hold because it was going to be Miami Music Week and it was going to be like the craziest time for us. And then we ended up getting, you know, locked up in a pandemic and then we ended up losing our jobs. So we were like, okay. And honestly, it was like the one year the other day of us losing our jobs. So I think that was the 15th. And then the 29th is when we launched our first episode. So we just went hard for a week of planning. And I mean, also too, I don't think people realize like Natasha designs everything. So she made all of our graphics. She made everything. She, you know, did all that stuff. I did all the social media and was getting the guests and planning out episodes and, and everything. And we had to get equipment and we were like, it was crazy because we were trying to get m microphones for podcasting and they were sold out or on hold because yeah. everyone was starting a podcast. And I was like, okay, how are we going to do this? Literally, I had to get, I had to use my old mic that I use on red carpets, just the handheld. And I put it in a red solo cup. This is how you man like make things work. Put it in a red solo cup under me to have a mic because there was no microphones. Like we could not get mics. How? Cr and then I had the adapter on my camera. Like it was just the craziest thing. I was like, well, I hope this works because we're just going to try it out. But I mean, that's what you have to do. You have to figure it out and make it work. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's crazy. I had no idea. That's a, that's a real struggle. And dude, I, yeah, I totally remember that at the beginning of the pandemic. Like, I think I already had my one microphone, but it was over when I was uh, getting some co-hosts from my other, my movie podcast. And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, we'll just go and get a mic. And I went like, went to Best no. Buy or not went to mm -hmm. Best Buy. Everything was closed. Like I went online and it was just online. sold out, sold out, sold out, yeah. sold out. And I was like, what Everywhere. the hell? Amazon, everything. There was no podcasting mics. There was no mics because obviously even like E! News, Entertainment Weekly, like they were all transitioning to home too. So they had to get all their staff and people. Like if you think about stuff like that, like the TV stations, everyone was at home. So everyone was just mass buying all these mics and cameras and all this stuff. So there was nothing. Um, and honestly, it was like the last bit of the piece for us that was on our mind because I was like, oh, I do have a mic like I can make it work. And I mean, it wasn't the best situation, but made it work. So shout out to Sure Microphones because I used a mic that was not made for podcasting for podcasting and it still sounded great. So, you know, um, but yeah, I, it was crazy. And then we're on, I think our 50th episode is May. I think Natasha said it's May 5th. So Cinco de Mayo. So we're almost at 50. Our year is this week. But yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. I can't believe it's been a year. I feel like it has obviously been the hardest and like worst year of my life, but I've learned so much and everything I've learned, I will take with me for the rest of my life. Wow. That's amazing. Same here. Same here. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Probably the worst year, but also the best year in so many other different ways that, mm -hmm. that I'm going to remember 2020, like in the future you know with kids are like yo tell me yeah, about 2020, dad and it's like you're like Whoa. oh buckle sit down buckle yeah. up <laughs> so, so sit down take a seat grab a grab a glass of water get ready um, yeah grab your juice box let's go <laughs> yeah exactly so so we get millennial girls we got it we got it out of the question yeah. so now since we've 
last spoke, um, I've noticed that your presence on social media has has grown and it's grown in a very specific niche thing that you've you've said here and there. You are mm-hmm. all in on K-pop now. Yeah. For the people out there that don't understand, and I might slightly know be in that category. I know what it is, kind of, but yeah. like, what is K-pop? K-pop's Korean pop, Korean pop music. So BTS, uh, obviously the world, well, not even the world, but mainly North America knows K-pop from BTS, but there's so many more groups. Um, I got into K-pop because of my sister. So my sister's been into K-pop for around four years. Um, and I have been to a couple K-pop concerts previously because of my sister and friends who work in K-pop. And I thought it was always really cool because they're heavy on the dance. And obviously, you know, that's my... I, I, that's what I've grown up with. Um, but yeah, I mean, once I kind of got let go from my job and I was home and my sister was home because she was supposed to, she's going to grad school virtually online, but you know, supposed to be in Canada. So we all kind of have been under the same roof for a year now and we haven't been like this and God knows how long. So, you know, I was, I walked out of the the, my now studio, uh, one day and I saw my sister was watching a music video with my mom. And I was like, who is this? And she was like, <laughs> sit down, welcome. And I was like, oh my God. And then got into it from there and just like really explored. Like I'm one of those people too that if it's music, I want to know every single thing about everyone, about the artist. And, you know, yep. because obviously I come from that world. That's literally what I've been doing with my life for the past six years. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. We started doing reaction videos on YouTube. I started doing it with my friend Brooke and they blew up like 300,000 views later blew up. Um, and I started just learning the language and really just going down and learning all about the music. I mean, the entertainment industry, they have got it so figured out in South Korea. It is insane. It rules the country truly. And they bring in so much money because of it. I mean, it is it's brilliant. It's so crazy. It's such a well-oiled machine and we could learn so much from it because they are still so big on like physical albums. Everything behind me is an album, by the way. Okay. I was, I was so, wondering, that's a pretty yeah. impressive, so, I, I need to, yeah, so, I need to heavily invest in a better like backdrop because of it just being yeah. my bedroom. It, I can't be doing that forever. Yeah. I mean, it turned into this because of obviously taking off so well with you know, YouTube and everything. So, and my sister had all of these albums. These are my sister's albums and my albums now, but um, yeah, it's just, I love it. And I wanted to start a YouTube channel. My friend Brooke, who I was doing reaction videos with on her channel, she moved to LA. So I was like, all right, this is my time. And I feel like I was always so scared about doing it on my own because I'd done the YouTube thing before and it's so hard and I was doing it with millennial girls. And I was like, but this is a niche thing and you love it so much. And everyone who's involved and loves it loves it so much so i started my channel and like the my first video i put up has like twenty thousand views on it i was like okay so this is a great start um (laughs) yeah and then i mean within two months my channel is not even three months old and i have i just hit a thousand subscribers last week or two weeks ago so um yeah it's just really fun and i'm doing it to just have people be more open-minded about music because especially with everything going on in this country. Like if I can educate someone a little bit on music from the other side of the planet, that's amazing music, might I add. And obviously a lot of K-pop groups work with American producers, which people don't understand or realize. Like 
if I can make someone be like, oh, I like this song. Oh, I like this. Like, I want to go listen to it and just have them be a little bit more open-minded about music from all over the world. Like I'm doing my job. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever have like the biggest, like, I'm sure some of the biggest criticism, like with like diving into this, like K-pop community is like, well, how do you listen to it? You you don't even understand what they're saying type stuff. Like, do you, do you get that a lot? Yeah. I mean, everyone's been really great. I haven't, knock on wood, had anyone that's been like that. But again, I am learning the language. So I'm learning stuff and I'm slightly understanding. And obviously when I watch the music videos, I watch them with subtitles. So it's not like I'm just blindly watching and I'm like, oh, I like this song. And honestly, the good thing about not even understanding the song sometimes is like, you're just paying attention to the music itself. So you're not focusing on the lyrics and like, I'm such a lyric sucker. I love Ed Sheeran and James Bay and all those singer songwriter people. But when you're just paying attention to the actual production of the song, it has made me appreciate producers and writing so much more, which has been really great because I've interviewed a lot or not a lot, but I've, I interviewed a couple producers and writers who have written some of the biggest songs in K-pop. And those are some of my favorite interviews I've ever, ever done because they're so chill and the way their brain works is insane. Wow. That's, that's awesome. I love, I, I feel like we could go on about K-pop forever. Yeah. Is there, is there, oh, like yeah. an, is there, if you could, Ooh, this is a good one. If you had to, if you had to drop one of the two and just do one forever, would you drop the podcast or the YouTube channel? I feel like I can't even answer that question. That's I don't know. One. I mean, it's a tough one. And the thing is too, it's like Natasha's so supportive. She's like, if you ever like have to move to Seoul, we could still do the podcast from, you know, she's, she's so great. And Natasha's even been on some stuff on my channel and I'm getting yeah. her into K-pop and Natasha grew up competitively dancing and in that dance scene as well. So she actually listened to some K-pop stuff back in the day being from California and yeah, I mean, she loves it. And it's so funny because like I'll I'll go over her place and we'll record a podcast and we'll do some pictures and stuff. And then I was like, okay, do you want to do a reaction video? And she's like, sure. And she's like, tell me all about the group and all that stuff. So it's been so nice to have someone as supportive as her because I spend more time with as much time with her as, you know, probably more than my family. So it's, it's just like great to have someone so supportive and she, you know, pushes it out and retweets stuff. And she's just, it's great to have someone like that because if she wasn't like that, then, then I feel like it would be an easier answer to pick, but because she's so supportive, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Yeah, absolutely. So as somebody like you, that is as involved with social media as, as you can be, you're, you're on every platform. You're like me, you're a new social <sighs> media comes out. You're like time to make an account. Like it's mm -hmm. on. Uh, where do you think we're going to be at in five years with social media? I have no idea. I really don't. I think it's going to get to a point where there's too many apps. And I think we're slowly getting to that point. And although I don't know, because like Clubhouse came out, right? And it was the newest, best, coolest thing. And I, I feel like it's already slowing down. Like I do a Clubhouse every Friday with the head of a, uh, is it a &R from Armada the VP of DIMAC, which is Steve Aoki's label and the ex uh, EDM Sp Spotify curator. So we talk about all the e new EDM releases and everything on Clubhouse. And I mean, I've seen numbers of people who normally tune in like drop. So I feel like it's one of those things, but I feel like TikTok's still gonna be around. Instagram's gonna still be around, but I do feel like Instagram needs to get it together with the algorithm because it's horrible and people are gonna start not using it anymore. I mean, I've started using it a lot less. 
Really? I was so team. I'm so team Instagram. Yeah, because I mean, I have whatever. I have like 10.4k followers. I get 200 likes on a picture. How do you explain that algorithm? There's no way that that's not right. But then I can post a TikTok that's seven seconds talking about K-pop, and I can get 28.4k views. And I'm like, okay, that's yeah. It, it just it doesn't make sense. Like, gotta get it together. I love Twitter. Twitter's never gonna die off because it's just a place where everyone puts their their thoughts, um, their one liners, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, social media is going to be who knows where in five in five years. I, I what do you think? What do you think it's going to be? Well, I, I I very much so agree with you that I I have the fear that it's almost going to be oversaturated with like different apps. But like you said, like Clubhouse, like I remember when it first came out, like my boss was like, "Dude, we got to get on Clubhouse," and I was like, "Okay, let, let's get it." And you know, like he goes on there and talks with people here, here and there. But like, I mean, I feel like it's just Clubhouse is is great for certain people and i've been really lucky to do some cool panels and talk about some stuff but because there's no end time it's just too much like there needs to be a cutoff because i've been in a room and it lasted like five hours i was like i need to go to bed like this is it's time (laughs) like we gotta go so and then i'm like do i leave that's awkward is that rude like what is the clubhouse etiquette it's a new app is there clubhouse etiquette who makes these rules because i was on the beta version so when I was on it, I was like, what is this? Like, I'm so confused. And um, it was just a lot of media professionals who work in music doing all these panels and stuff and talking about like different issues. But I was like, okay, like, cool. I can like listen to a YouTube video or a podcast about this. Yeah. I, I don't know. Or TikTok. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I definitely think that TikTok will still be around. I wholeheartedly agree that Instagram needs to kind of get their shit together. Like I was like, I got an iPad not too long ago and I was scrolling through and an iPad has been in, on the market for close to like 10, 15 years now. And there mm-hmm. is still not an Instagram app for iPad and the Instagram like really? CEO came out like, I think two, three, four months ago and was like, yeah, well, we just don't have the, this. What's his face? Zuckerberg. Yeah. Or, or the guy who, who, who owns Instagram, you know, besides Zuck besides facebook owning them like guy oh, who started okay. instagram like whoever, who's ever in charge got it yeah so he said like we just don't have the staff and i was thinking like what you're owned by facebook they could if you tell zuckerberg you want an instagram ipad app like he's going to give you the developers and the whatever's to to make I'm that sure they happen already have them they're just too bur- they're too busy trying to make instagram like tiktok and everything else and like make it be its own thing if you want to add another feature, Reels is great. I mean, I just throw all my TikToks on Reels, but now they're like, oh, if it has the TikTok logo, they're not pushing it. I'm like, I don't have time to make, I, I don't have time to make a video that's exactly the same for 15 different platforms differently. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm not. Yeah. It's, I don't have a staff. It's me doing everything. It's you doing everything. Like, I'm going to put it on TikTok because that's where it's going to do the best. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like you said, going back to the movie discussion, like, there's nothing new like sto- like mm-hmm. Snapchat came out and they introduced stories. And then what happened Two, you know, two months later, Instagram's got stories. And then mm-hmm. even LinkedIn has stories now. Like I love LinkedIn. Actually, LinkedIn might be my favorite social media platform. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. No hate on LinkedIn. I, I am, I'm an advocate for LinkedIn. Like <laughs> so I have much. gotten, I connected with all the major people in K-pop on LinkedIn. Like, head of labels, head of like, I have gotten all my stuff from LinkedIn. That is how I've gotten my interviews and stuff. And everyone's like, how'd you do it? I was like, I connected with the person on LinkedIn. I messaged them. Like, that's how I did it. 
I've I've had some crazy connections and friendships begun because of LinkedIn. Like, oh yeah. If you would have told yeah. me ten years Same. ago, you you know you should use LinkedIn, I'd be like, get the hell out of here. But well, and I had to make it a LinkedIn for my senior portfolio in college. Like they were so adamant on LinkedIn. I was like, this is stupid. And then I was like, oh wait, maybe it's not stupid. And like I never really used it until obviously getting let go. And I'm like, I need a job or I need to do something. <laughs> Same. Everyone adding everyone and you're like oh wait this isn't too bad and it's been really great because obviously everyone in south korea you know we have different time zones so they answer when they can but they answer i'm like oh wow this is great okay i like this absolutely better than sending a better than sending a cold email yeah for real Hell, oh god cold anything just gives me the shivers um yeah i'm great at it but i'm just like mm, hello we'll see if I, we'll see if we get any any <laughs> response for real so I'm sure you remember, but at the end of every episode, what I do is I ask the guests the, a grouping of 10 questions, but yes, you are the what? first recurring guest. So naturally, right. when recurring guests come back, they're going to get a different set of questions. I was going to say, I'm a goldfish. I don't remember anything you asked last time, so it's okay. <laughs> well, lucky for you, they're all new anyway. So um, I'll start off real quick. Uh What's the best thing about being you? I'm a unicorn. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm a unicorn, glitter, and I'm sparkles, and I just, I'm fun. like, I, I feel like I'm fun. I'm a fun girl. No, I mean, I just try to make the best out of any single situation and just go for it. Like, I'm not afraid to to do it. And I feel like a lot of my friends are like, okay, well, that's such a good, you know, character trait because a lot of people aren't like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great that's a great characteristic. Uh, next one. What was your first ever job? <laughs> I worked at Abercrombie. Oh yeah, that was your first job. <laughs> yeah, I was a, a model at Abercrombie, and oh. I was a great greeter. Let me tell you, of course I was. But yeah, I was a great greeter. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Kudos to you. I w got a job at American Eagle when I first moved to Georgia in like a little strip mall and. Mm -hmm. uh, or not a strip mall, Ugh, stupid, an, like an outlet, like an outlet mall. An outlet mall, okay. And uh, I had my training shift, and at the end of the training shift, she go, uh, the, the hiring manager, she's like, all right, just to make sure everyone here can work on Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving, yeah. Black Friday, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And she's like, all right, see you then. And this is like the middle of July. And I was like... What? Oh, so it was seasonal. And I was like, oh, so what about the schedule for this week though? And she was like, Oh no, I need you on those days only. And I was like, I'm yeah. trying to get a job. I You're like right now, they chased me through the store Abercrombie. They're like, do you want to work for us? Cause at the time it was when they were heavily, like they had to recruit a certain amount of people and all that stuff. And I was like, I, it was so funny. Cause I had left for the mall. I like had just turned 18. I'd left for the mall that day with my friend. And my dad was like, you need to get a job. You spend too much money. And I was like, whatever, like my allowance. And then I came yeah. home from the mall. I was like, got a job. <laughs> <laughs> like, I worked how about there, that dad I worked there for three years i worked wow. there for three years i lasted a lot longer than a lot of most people who worked there but i had, was just going into college so all of my friends i went to college with we all like worked together lived together partied together were in school together so yeah i mean of course whenever they were like secret shopper they were like raquel has to be the greeter because we get a 10 out of 10 when she is i was like well yeah because i could talk to a wall and talk back so <laughs> Okay, so since we last spoke, what has been one highlight that's happened uh, in your life? Honestly, the YouTube channel taking off a lot. Like it, it's been 
really crazy just to see the numbers I've been seeing and having the response I've had. And yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful and I can only, you know, hope for it to continue for sure. Amazing. Amazing. What's the biggest piece of advice that you could give someone going down the same path as you right now? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> you just got to go for it and you can't be afraid and surround yourself with people who support you and genuinely care about you because you're going to have moments of wanting to quit. But if you truly love it, you're going to force yourself to keep going and it's not going to be easy. But I mean, I've always been one of those people who have known what I wanted to do and knew that this was it. So you just got to do it. Take a deep Absolutely. breath. Absolutely. Buckle, buckle up, Buttercup. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, what? Uh, who are the three most influential people in your life? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, Chelsea Briggs who is now one of my good friends. She is the digital host and does all the stuff for Billboard. Um, I followed her career since she had Hollywire. Like that's her, that was hers and she sold it. And now it's turned into such a big thing. So definitely Chelsea Briggs. Um, honestly, Natasha, because we work so closely together. So she inspires me every day to like do something, you know, actually do what we need to do and everything. Um, and my sister, because She's so freaking smart and she's helped me so much with everything K-pop related the past year and even learning the language. Like she's on level two workbook. So she's, she's farther ahead and she's like super patient with me and definitely uh, wouldn't be able to do any of this without her. Absolutely. Love that. Um, what is the biggest challenge you've ever had to overcome? Um, working in sports and worked in sports for three years and basically having to prove myself every single day for three years that I was good enough to be there. And I wasn't just there to, uh, you know, marry a hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> tight, tight. Uh, yeah. if, if I handed you a check for $1 million right now, how would you spend it? I would probably put half of it into savings. So I'd be set. Yep. Um, and then I would definitely take all of my friends on a vacation, like my close friends and we'd go somewhere, whether it was like, obviously I really want to go to South Korea right now. So I'd probably go there <laughs> <laughs> or there or like Bali or something like that, or like the Maldives, because who doesn't want to, you know, the, that tropical vacation on the hut or whatever absolutely. On, the, on the water. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. Every time you see a picture of one of those things, you're like, man, I gotta go. You're like, man, who's paying for it? <laughs> exactly. Man, I hope someone's going to pay for it because I sure as hell not. Yeah. <laughs> Fly me out, please. Please. Um, what's one area of expertise you wish you were amazing at, but you're not? Languages, man. Learning Korean is so hard. So, so hard. And I took sign language for four years in, in high school and college. So even back then, I wasn't learning like, a typical language and so now it's so hard to learn another language because obviously you know you're older and the sentence structure is so different and it's just really difficult yeah i i, I wholeheartedly agree i wish i could pick up on languages much faster because that would be so useful like my future children are for sure going to learn another language when they're young because oh, yeah. i just it's i think it's really important and especially living in south florida with so many different languages, like I feel stupid because yeah. <laughs> I don't know another one. 
Yeah. And it makes me jealous of the people who like, you know, Spanish like is their first language, but then they learn English and they can speak the two languages. I'm like, damn, I really wish at a young age I, I, I was forced yeah. to learn another language. But well, I even saw a quote the other day and it was, you know, obviously all the Asian hate stuff is going on and it's so horrible. And it was like, why are you making fun of someone who has an accent when English isn't their first language? Like they're smarter than you. They know two languages. They they came to this country and picked it out. I'm like, ooh, yes, that. And even just reading that put it so into perspective because I was like, when people are like, oh, English is such a hard language. I'm like, oh yeah, wait, you're right. English is really hard and it's not even your native language and you're still speaking it and using it at work and going home and speaking another language. Like my brain, I, I kudos to everyone who can speak another language because... I'm trying. Yeah. Help. Help. And then lastly, if you uh, could be the best at your craft. So in this situation, you're the best at your craft. Would you rather be mm -hmm. an actor, an athlete, or a musician? A musician for sure. Definitely. Um, I sang a little bit growing up and stuff, and it was terrifying. Like, I'm don't have stage fright at all whatsoever when it comes to dancing, acting, any of that stuff, but singing scared the crap out of me. I would always get so tense and like my vocal cords would tighten up and I never knew why. It was just one of those things that I was like, Oh, everyone's looking at me. And I did some solo stuff and, and, and you know, all that. And I was like, this is, I can't. So I would definitely want to be a musician and just like have the pipes that everyone wants and, you know, like a Whitney or a Mariah, something like that, and just be able to sing and it come out so naturally and just make people feel things. Because I always say music is the, is the universal language and music has helped me get through every, you know, rough patch in my life. So if I could give that gift to other people, that would just be the best thing ever. hundred percent. I agree. Raquel, thank you so much for coming back and being here with me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. I'm so I'm so glad I got to, you know, talk about my randomness. <laughs> I know, right? It was great to have you come back and, and let me pick your brain a little bit more. So now uh so now I'm gonna let you plug away. Plug anything yes. and everything. Okay, so I'm Raquel Goldie on all social media platforms, literally every single thing, including YouTube. So you can find me or if you just go to my Instagram, you can find everything there, link in bio type of thing. Uh, and then of course, you know, follow and listen to the Millennial Girls podcast, Millennial underscore girls on Instagram. You can find everything in our link tree from there. Easy enough. Easy enough. There you go. Raquel, again, thank you so much. I'll put uh, the links and stuff in the description of the episode so you can easily find it. Um, and yeah, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.